see who the author was, because remember I told you this is a bunch of different people who write prayers and put, put them in the book. And some of them are uh, um, um, ministers with degrees. Some of them are um, in me uh, medicine or an attorney or something with a degree. And some of them are just uh, lay people and they're coming from all over the United States. So this particular prayer comes from a person who lives in, which I have never heard of, Three Oaks, Michigan. I'm not familiar with that, Three Oaks. You, you're not either? West side of what? Going towards Chicago? Oh, you've been there? Oh, okay. Well, praise the Lord. Well, let me just read this as part of our opening prayer. And uh, the prayer is based on the scripture verses out of Psalms 91:15. He says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Loving Father, may we realize what a great privilege it is for us to come directly into that very presence in thy name and, and by the close relationship of thy son as our savior and elder brother and to really be thy children. Help us today to be able to call thee our father. Help us to realize that thy great loving heart turns towards us as the heart of a loving parent turns towards his child. Each day, may this relationship mean more and more and become very precious to us. As we take up the duties of the day, may we take shelter under the wonderful promises of the 91st song, and may they be fulfilled to us and our loved ones. May we in some way be a help and a blessing to someone who may need us this day. Help us to be careful about our example before others. May we walk, stand, and sit in such places as may be pleasing in thy sight and be safe for others to follow us in. May we, by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, be clothed with his righteousness and have a part in his resurrection. Guide us and help us as the, day, as the days pass. We ask in his name. Now, Father, I ask you also to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Wasn't that a wonderful prayer? Mm, God, it blesses me. And I, again, I really like how whoever is writing this prayer always talk about the whole body just like Paul does, amen? Okay, so we're in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, and we're going to do the whole of chapter 3. And, and this will be part three of the way of the Lord is right. The way of the Lord is right. And I'm going to have a subtitle to this title. And the subtitle, which is going to come out of Ephesians 6, 11, says, having done all, stand. Having done all, stand. So... I'm, what I'll do is, is go and, and, and read what we're studying today, and then we're going to go back to the subtitle chapter 
and, and uh, dissect it, okay? So, chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear or endure it, we thought it to be good if we left, if we left at Athens alone and sent Timothy or Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved or shaken by these afflictions for yourself. Know that we are appointed thereunto. He's talking about, Paul is talking about his afflictions, he and his co-laborers right there. He's talking about their afflictions for the Thessalonians not to be moved by the afflictions that are coming upon them, okay? So they wouldn't become discouraged. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know, just as it came to pass. So Paul is telling them, we told you in advance that we're going to suffer for this gospel, but we're sticking with it, Amen. and we're going to continue to do what we've been called to do, okay? For this cause, when I could no longer forbear or endure it, I sent to know your faith. He's, he, meant, he sent his co-laborers to check on them to know where their faith is, okay? Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Mm, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But now when Timothy and Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and affliction and distress by your faith. But now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what things can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sake before our God? In other words, what joy do we have knowing that you continue to stand in faith and you're steadfast in the word. <laughs> Regardless to what's happening to us, that's the joy that we have, amen? Verse 10 says, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you, toward all men. In other words, you just don't do good to those who are good to you, but you do good to all men because this is how we lead an example of godliness and righteousness. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. That's right. So when you have stood the test and walked the way of righteousness, then when Jesus comes back, he won't find any blame in you. Amen. So um, like I said, the subtitle is Having Done All Stand. And I, and I was just really moved. Uh, that thought came to me as I was preparing as a good supporting scripture uh, concerning this, which is maybe a little bit different than how somebody else perceives it, but 
I, this is what I perceived. And so, let's go over to Ephesians 6 and 13 that supports what I'm about to talk about. And Ephesians 6 verse 13 says, well, let me kind of set this up because before then, in, in five and in the beginning of six, Paul is giving instructions and directions to how we're to interact in personal relationships. Amen. So I keep telling you, our life, how we're to live, is all in the Bible. You don't come here to be spiritual, spiritual, spiritually spooky <laughs> and think it's a church thing. We, we come here to learn how to walk and live this life in a broken world. Amen? And so after he gives the instructions in the, in, uh, of how to do this, then he starts out with, finally, my brethren, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not in your strength, okay? So he says, what you have to do is put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes I like that word better. Against the schemes of the devil. The devil is always scheming. He has to in order to try to pull us back into his camp because he does not want God glorified by your lifestyle, your thought life. So he was always scheming how to pull you back. Now the schemes he comes up with is based on your resume. <laughs> it's based on what he knows about you from your actions and from the things you say that he plots up schemes to is, is snare you and entangle you back into the world of sin. Okay, so it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, we don't fight against people, but the spirit, which is the power behind them that's motivating them and pushing them to say, do whatever, okay? So he talks about uh, the, the principalities, and he, one is against powers, against the rulers of darkness and, the, and, and of this world and the spiritual wickedness in high places. So these are levels of principalities of powers yeah. that come against us yeah. based on what you're doing. <laughs> okay, because... The stronger the attack is based on what you're doing for the Lord. So it gets stronger. The more that you stand out and do for God, the stronger the attacks come. So anyway, the whole point I wanted to get to is in 13. So he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. It means when you've done all that you know to do by faith, you continue to stand. You don't change patterns because you don't see the desired results. You don't change patterns because stuff is still coming after you as if to say, well, what I've been doing isn't working. You don't do that. You're to continue to stand. Okay, and, 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 and so then he begins to talk about the armor. Okay, and so um, he talks about 
Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. So the first piece of armor that you put on is called truth. Amen. 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 And so, um, well, let me, let me go back before I get into the truth part. Because when it says dressing yourself in God's armor uh, means to, what you're putting on is a weapon that will allow you to be able to resist Satan. Amen. Otherwise, you don't need it. Okay, you, you have your armor on in order to resist Satan. So one of the first garments that you put on is truth. And so truth is knowledge of God's truth from God's word. Truth is the knowledge of God's truth from God's word. It's not a fact that exists or what somebody else has said. It's God's word is the truth okay that truth we know will keep us girded up with all the other weapons we need to be ready to discharge that's why he talks about the truth being like a belt girded around your loins that means it is always on and when you need a weapon all you do is reach to that belt and pull out the particular weapon that you need to fight in this particular situation, and it's a word, but it's going to be in a different form. Okay? He says, um, then you um, also have on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is your obedience to that truth, to God's truth, will produce godly character. As you obey God's word, he is producing godly character in you. Godly character in you will not be produced with you doing nothing but showing up at services and Bible study. That's not going to produce it. What's going to produce it is that you are listening and receiving and then acting on what you've heard. Okay? That produces godly character. It isn't enough to just speak you are righteous by the blood of Jesus. See, because we like to quote these things because it makes us feel good. But you must live and be guarded by the word of God. When you live by it, it exemplifies or proves the righteousness that's been marked on you by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Then he says, you have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. That means you have to put on some shoes like the Roman soldiers did. They had special shoes that allowed them to to stand as they're fighting in the battle without falling. So we have to put on shoes that prepare you to be ready with an eagerness to stand and to stand strong in your faith. You see, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. See, we don't want to stand. And we're not eager to stand because we want everything to pop out of a microwave. And there are times that we have to stand and it doesn't really feel good. 
but you, your eagerness come because you trust God because he's already proven himself at some point in your life. See, if you don't ever stand for anything, you don't get to see who your God is and how he works. All you do is complain and whine and, and, and dodge and make excuses. Well, he doesn't show up in that kind of an atmosphere. He shows up where there's faith. And so when he see that you don't let nothing take you off your belief, what you're feeling, what you see, what you smell, everything that's dealing with your sense, remove you from what you know in your heart, God then is obligated to manifest it. But see, we want to we wanna see it, smell it, feel it. God says, I want you to know it. Amen. And that comes, that knowing is in your heart. And then you are eager to stand. And when you stand on it, now you're able to see it, smell it, touch it, because it will be manifested before you. So when you stand with an eagerness to stand in your faith and stand strong in it, you get a peace that's beyond all understanding, as, as especially as you advance towards your opponent. Amen. Have you ever been, in, been in, 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 in a situation that you really didn't know how it was going to come out, but all of the points was pointing to the fact that it was not going to work in your favor, but yet you had a great peace, and it, it was it 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 it, it was like you, actually so much so I know I've done it myself. Then I figured, oh, you you need to be worrying. You too you too calm. You too peaceful. See, that's what the enemy will do to us. It's like you should be worrying. You sitting up here feeling all calm and everything, you need to be worrying like a dummy and then we start worrying rather than holding on to that peace thing because God has given us the peace and, and he's he's giving you the peace to let you know I'm in this, I'm working it and the victory is going to be yours no matter how it looks looks are deceiving and they don't last we know that. <laughs> Glory to God. Then he says, put on the shield of faith. The shield of faith is taking God at his word by believing his promises. Taking God at his word by believing his promises. And so where do we find his promises? Amen. Amen. And that kind of trust when you believe his promises and, 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 and trust in him, then it will reduce your doubts that comes from Satan. Okay? When you put your faith in God's word and begin to believe and trust in his promises, then it prevents you from being controlled by Satan with his doubts that he wants to work in your heart. You don't put your faith in the finished product. You don't put your faith in the objects or whatever you think you need in order to accomplish what you're seeking. 
but put your faith in his word. His word is his name. It's the same as putting it in him. And that's what you're doing. Okay. And when you stand on that, then Satan can't move you with a lot of doubtful thoughts and statements. Amen. Amen. And that is even, thank you, Jesus, even with our sickness, if we're putting our faith in God about healing, and, and especially when God has given you a word about it, when the pain and discomfort come, which is what Satan wants to manifest more, you don't let that discomfort and that pain change what God has already said. You, you, you have to then remind yourself and the pain and the author of it what God has already said. So you say, I don't care what I'm feeling and what I'm sensing. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Okay? Then he talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. Now, Paul is talking to believers. So he's not telling them you got to get saved. What you got to do is have a certainty of your salvation. And the certainty of your salvation is not about your emotions. It's not about feelings. Okay? It's about the knowledge that's in your heart, which is a truth. Okay? So you have a certainty of your salvation, and you know the benefits of it as well as acting like the new creation you have become. You've heard the statement, hope of salvation. That hope is a certainty or an assurance. Remember, it falls in Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about what faith is. It's a hope which is a certainty or an assurance of who you are. That's what he wants us to get to. It's to have this certainty of who you are in Christ. That's salvation. Salvation is not a prayer. You stood up and quoted behind somebody else, and now, okay, I'm safe. Because that prayer is only working because you're seeing what you believe in your heart. And so you're repeating what you believe in your heart, and when you see it, yes, you are saved. But there's a work after that. We don't sit around now and wait for Jesus to come back. We have to work on our salvation. Amen? And when you have that type of assurance, then you are able to stand in hard times. If you really know you're saved and you believe it, then you can stand in hard times because that's what makes us different from the rest of the world. We all are subject to the same tribulations, times, troubles, and and death, everything. But what makes us different is because of who we are and that we know who we are. We don't act like they do over the news of things that are going on. We don't even act like the world do over death. But when you have practiced and you have walked according to the course of this world for all of your days and even after you say you're saved, it's hard for you to receive that. You've got to work at not being 
like your old nature dictated because you have a new nature in Jesus Christ. And so you begin to ask God, how should I handle this? Help me to do this the way you would have me to do. Show me what I'm doing wrong. Show me what I've said wrong that has canceled out your favor on my life. You've got to talk to God. Stop always asking, oh, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. Oh, God, change him, change him, change him. Oh, God, fix him, fix him. Ask God to work on you. Help you to open up your eyes to see who he is. That's the main thing. So I can succumb and surrender to your will, to your way. Amen. Amen. Then he says, put the sword of the spirit in one hand. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, but not the logos word. Because the logos word is the Greek word for the whole Bible. But it is the rhema word, which is a Greek word for certain scriptures or selected verses out of the scripture that you get when you're seeking God about your situation. Okay, help me, Holy Ghost. You have a situation, and God leads you to a particular verse in the Bible. That's your rhema word. That means I need to stand on that. So, so you then begin to meditate on it because the more you meditate on it and study it, the more you begin to understand what it is speaking to you. And that word will hold you to stand where you need to stand until God c- completes the work that he's doing. Amen. And so uh, he, when, when this, this is why it is so important that when we're praying, stop all your begging and then getting up going. Right. Sit and listen sometimes to hear what he has to say. See, all we want to do is ask God for something. But commun- prayer is communication. So it's talking with him. And in communicating with him, you learn more about him. You learn more about yourself. You learn more and understand the situation that you're in. You learn more and understand the people that you're having to deal with and how to handle them in a different way. Okay? So, and, and, and what happens is that that sword of the spirit means the Holy Ghost enter into the picture. And he reveals things to you. So when God gives you that rhema word, the Holy Spirit shines the light and illuminate it so it can come alive in your heart so that you can hold on to it. But it's easier to just feel sorry for myself and blame everybody else for why I'm jacked up. Than to ask God to reveal some things and show. Because it really don't matter who the, who the root is. What matters is, are you awake? Yes. Do you really want to be made whole? Do you really want to be healed? Yes. That's what matters, okay? Yes. And the spirit comes in through this weapon and reveals some truths to you that help you to overcome. Yes. And so then the last weapon is, 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 is praying. Now remember, the key word in all of this is word. Amen. It's the Bible. Okay. So praying is linked to standing. Praying is linked to your standing. 
you stand on prayer, okay? Without prayer, the other parts have no power and you have no victory. Without prayer, the mother pieces of your, of your warfare wardrobe don't have no power and you don't have no victory. Amen. See, we want God to just supernaturally do some stuff and you do nothing. Right. Yeah. I, I told y'all Saturday that his supernatural is your natural coupled up with his super. So there's Amen. stuff expected out of you, okay? Amen. So we, 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 um, uh, uh, we have to learn to pray and on, on and for all occasions. Amen. On and for all occasions. And, 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 and we pray in the spirit, and that could be praying in another language or your prayer language, or it could be praying in your spirit. You know what I'm saying? Crying out in your spirit. But you must be vigilant, okay? Because in Ephesians 6, 18, listen to what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication is another word for petition. In the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, you're not just praying for you. You need to be praying for other folks. You need to be more vigilant praying for other folks than you are for yourself. Because you don't lose. It's, you're planting a seed when you be praying for other folks. You're planting a seed in that garden. And, and if you keep on watering it with the word, you're going to get a harvest. The person gets what they need, but you get a harvest. Okay? So we need to be vigilant and interceding. It, whether you've been called to the office of, of an intercessor or not, every believing believer is supposed to intercede because there are things that we're supposed to be interceding for on a daily basis in the world that we live. We're to, you know, all we think about is our own little intimate little situation. When the world here is supposed to be governed by God's kingdom. Yes. Yes. And if we're not praying for it, then it leaves God out of the spectrum. And we're experiencing that right now. Because the church has been too busy building buildings, raising money. I don't know what you're raising it for, but anyway. If you ain't helping other folks and you're not doing outreach, you know, what, what, you know, where's the money going? But anyway, we're too busy doing superficial things rather than the thing that matters the most. And that is to pray and help the needy because that opens up their eyes to see that there is a savior. Let me tell you, when people are in need and the, and, the, and the government comes in, they don't know about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They just know about some help. Just like these stimulus packets. They're not helping our economy, and they're certainly not helping people. They're making people feel like they are, uh, what's the word? Entitled. Feeling entitled, and then they can sit around on their behinds with no vision and nothing and just collect, collect, collect while we depreciate and value and the economy goes down. Amen. God didn't put us here to do that. He put us here to be workmen. Yes. 
be viable and to reproduce and to produce constantly. But we'll let the system lie to us so that they can always control us. Because if they're always handing out and that's how we have our livelihood, they have control over you. And we're supposed to be a free nation. Amen. So the most common denominator in all that whole outfit is the word. Okay. So we have all kinds of little symbols to represent things uh, of, of, of God's promises and benefits. And, and, and one is the cross. So in the Catholic Church, they put on the cross, and, and, and they think that cross is protecting uh, the evil spirits from doing them any harm. And, and we can sit up and come up with any kind of little project of a, a, a what it looks like with the armor and make a doll and stuff and have it, and you think you, you protect it. I line that up with that cross situation. You're in trouble. Because first of all, when you start believing in those kinds of things, you've opened the door to another kind of power that you don't want in your life. Okay? No, it's your faith in God's word that is going to cover you and dress you. So when you get up in the morning and you pray appropriately, you are dressing up for warfare to be ready to be on the offense and not always on the defense. Amen? Amen. So, okay, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians because I believe Paul's effort by his writing was to get the churches to stand always in the power of God with their faith and prayer. And he, that's what he was pushing for. Faith and prayer is the only source that can and will keep us in these trying times. This is why Paul was concerned about the faith of the Thessalonians church. The greater and the multiplicity of Satan's attacks, the greater need for encouragement of faith and prayer, the weapon of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare is faith and prayer. Amen. And the greater Satan shows up, the more we need to encourage each other with prayer and by faith. Amen. 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 As a believer, we must work, work our faith by the word and stop looking for magic to change or fix our situation. You know what? There is nothing wrong with asking people to pray and seeking out for intercessors to pray, but there is something wrong that you don't come to grow in your prayer life and know how to pray because you're dependent on other people praying. That's not what God intended. These other people are as, as a help. That means what you did, you've called on some people to mix your faith with. Amen. And that we're gonna stand together on this because one could put a thousand to flight and two could put 10,000 to flight. So you've just calling up an army to make this more forceful, but not for them to be your force. Amen. 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 And, and, and the more, God, can you imagine the more that we grow and understand that and, 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 and stand together and fight against the forces and pray the prayers that God wants us to pray? 
you know, because let me, oh, let me just say this. The enemy will keep your focus on your stuff all 24-7. All your little woes, 24-7. Do you know why? Because he don't want you to become alert, vigilant, awaken to what's going on in the world enough to pray about it. All, your whole conversation, your whole thought life is about what's going on with you. Do you know that that's a, a sign of selfishness as a believer? Now, the world, that, that's how they're supposed to act, but not a believer. When do you get over yourself and ask God, how do you want me to pray? What do you want me to stand for? He tells us, when you do what I need you to do, I'll take care of your little stuff. He tells us that in the Bible. But all we think about is our feelings. That, yes, amen. He said having a pity party. That is a selfish stand. And it's narrow-minded as well. When you learn how to be more conscious about what's going on with other people and being proactive, it really takes you off of your stuff. And then God can work it out and fix it and change it. And you don't, you know, one day you wake up and things are different. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that had happened. You start, you start coming up higher. You start feeling better. You start looking at things with a better sense of fairness and and balance. And you won't even know when it happened because God is working on your stuff as you leaning and sacrificing on someone else's. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's how things change and change quickly. So we need to stop being so one-sided and selfish with our prayer life and extend it and become real true intercessors for Jesus Christ. Just like Paul, we should be the same, was always praying and reaching out to the the body. I'm sorry, to the baby, I can't even read my own writing, to the baby Christians, to the baby Christians. And let me tell you, that terminology about baby Christians has nothing to do with longevity. There are people who've been Christians for many, 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 many years that are still babies, and there are some who just got saved and, and growing quickly. The baby Christian is the one that you see struggling and not getting where they need to go. We have to be more diligent about keeping them encouraged and and, and, and accountable about their commitment to the Lord. Now, I know that's difficult because with, 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 with some of us, if you try to make them accountable and committed to the things of the Lord, I know what to do. I know I got this. Oh, oh. That's pride. That's pride, and you have to put that, put that aside because let me tell you, if you really did know and you were doing what you were supposed to, God wouldn't be sending somebody to you to help you and share some things with you. 
Amen? Amen. And so we, 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 we keep them courage by always praying and, 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 and reaching out to them to keep them from the clutches of Satan. You're snatching them from the pit of hell. You're snatching them from the hands of Satan when we do that. Even, even when they don't even like for you to do it. Just keep on doing it. And thanking God that one day they're going to wake up and realize that who they are and be blessed. They don't ever have to know that it's your work that pulled them out. Who cares about that? But that they just one day wake up and begin to start talking a whole different kind of language and, be, and walk in a, 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 a better walk. That's all I care. Okay? So we have to keep them committed to the Lord. How? With their church attendance with their prayer life, with their studying in the word, with communion, and giving. See, I don't know why we're the way we are, but we will show up, we will come, and, 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 and know we can depend on the church being there for our needs, but we won't give. But you better be prepared and ready to take care of them and help them. Right. And, and you better answer the phone when I call and open the door when I show up because I need you and you need to be ready. But you haven't given us a dime to keep that telephone on. Right. Amen. You keep the doors open to keep air in here when it's hot and heat when it's cold. Because, you know, you had some other more important things that you need to be taken care of financially, so let me take care of that. Because you haven't understood that you first take care of God's business. Amen. And he'll take care of your business. And, 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 and because his, his financial system is totally different than our world system, when you give God something, he gives it back to you multiplied. He gives it a hundredfold. He don't give back the way we give or the way the banks give. Like they give a certain percentage, but you got to have a certain amount of money to get any kind of uh, interest on your money in the bank. If you don't have enough, it's just laying, just laying there in a safe place, but it ain't making no more money. Okay? God does things by multiplication. And so when you begin to give and do all of these things, God gives it back to you greater. He says, no one has given up anything that I don't give it back to them a hundredfold. Amen. Amen. So there are things that we must give back to God. Stop always looking about what, what, what can God do for me? What can you do for God? Amen. Amen. So what he's asking you to do, it is off to bless you. It, it, it is not going to help his system. It don't make his pockets rich. It's all for us. Isn't that interesting? Everything he asks us to do is to help us. And we think we're doing something great for God because we're faithful, committed attendees. Because our prayer life is faithful, vigilant, strong, and consistent. Because we study in the word, always looking to know him, not studying to teach. But studying to know who your God is 
and who you are in him. Amen. 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 We're taking communion because we recognize what the work on the cross, what it's all about and how it continues to work day in and day out. So when we take it, we know we're taking in the newness in him. Mm. And we're giving because we know that our giving always sets up for us to always have and to receive in the name of Jesus. But when we do these spiritual disciplines, more important than that, it is a discipling tool. Why? It's necessary. There are two powers on earth, the power of Jesus Christ and the power of Satan. And when you exercise these spiritual disciplines, the power of God is operating in your life. But when you don't, the power of Satan is operating in your life because one of the two is always going to be operating. You don't, there's no in between where, oh, today Jesus is operating, or oh, tomorrow Satan is operating, but right now I got it. You don't ever have it until you get on the right side, which is where God is, and his powers are operating. We must not underestimate how much we can encourage others by living out our faith openly. Not just by what you say, but more is by what they see. When we live out our faith openly and also sharing our experiences of godly faithfulness. I don't want to hear them testimonies where well, Satan did this, but God came in. I want to hear how some things have changed, how you see stuff, how you speak, how you react because of the Holy Spirit that's operating in you. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul talks about all of this, and then when he gets to verse 11, this is when Paul begins to pray for the church, okay? And so I'll read the verses again, and then I'll give you my understanding. He says, now God himself and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you. He says, we're only here because we're on a mission. We have been commissioned to be here. Amen. Amen. He says, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. This is Paul's prayer for the Thessalonian church, that the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another. You notice he didn't say that he caused you to increase while you can have a bigger house, have a car, some clothes, get an individual. He says to abound in faith. Amen. Amen. And, and, and love towards your fellow workmen. If we can't love each other in the faith, you can't love outside of that. Hallelujah. Now, how are you going to love somebody on the outside who, who is a heathen and don't know the Lord, but you can't love the ones in the faith? Okay? He says, and, 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 um, and that that love is abounding towards each other, just like you have proven your love towards us, because why? You receive the word of truth from us, and you have become a doer of the word of truth from us. That proves how much you love us. Amen. Not just your lip action, Amen. but how you receiving, because we come with his truth, and you receive it, and you act on it. That proves your love. Amen? Amen. And as the end result, you will have the victory, 
because you will be able to stand in front of God blameless but and holy when Jesus comes back for us. Amen. So Paul prays for the church, for the church need of teaching to prevent a lack of faith. Without the teaching, your faith does not grow. This is why it is so important. And, and this is also why Satan will have people not coming out, especially during this so-called pandemic, because he does not want us to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Amen. When we come together and study, that's an elevation and a growth. And he doesn't want you to because, see, you will be able to fight your own little personal battles and get over. I talked about how you have on the right garment so that you can stand through these attacks. Okay. So we must realize the necessity of being in a place of where there's teaching because that will prevent a lack of faith. And praying for our growth of love and outreach and purity of holiness. Holiness is not a look. It has nothing to do with what you got on and how you wear your hair and all of that. Now, okay, for the sake of some babies among us, you can go to some, some strong extremes that ushers in another power in your life. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the holiness where where people want to have you looking unattractive and never smelling good because they have a warped idea about holiness. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Holiness is the condition of your heart. It's the condition of your heart. And are your thoughts pure? Because what's in comes out, not what goes in. What's in you will manifest. And that what's in you can only grow to be what it needs to be because you put the word on it. Not because you got up and breathe. It's because you put the word on it, okay? So, and we definitely need it because during these trials and persecution, we need to be like Paul, advising the church not to withdraw and focus on themselves or to sit back and wait for the coming of the Lord. Now, we got some people who are just sitting waiting, come now, Lord, come. And, and, and then we, 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 we got some who are doing a whole lot of unnecessary stuff because they think the Lord is, is coming soon and they want to be ready. When I, when I say a lot of unnecessary stuff, I'm talking about doing the works in the church and not doing the work of getting right. Because the works we do in the church is not the saving thing. They should be the reflection and outcome about who you have become. Because it's not going to make you become who you need to be. Amen. Yeah. Your faithfulness to service in Bible study and prayer is what's going to make you. And as a result of being made over, in his image, you now want to do these extra things that keeps the church going. Doing the trials and hard times, we don't shriek, we don't retreat, we don't fall back. 
we actually press forward. You go into the darkness and declare who your Savior and your Lord and your Master is. You don't fall back, but you go talking about who your Lord is, not about who you are, okay? Like David did, uh, the Goliath. He didn't shriek back. He pressed forward, but the whole time he was talking smack, he was talking word. And he was talking, going for it, shooting that arrow right at the head. You get the head, you got the whole body. And, uh, and, and those stones, those stones was talking word. And he had just enough he needed to kill his enemy. He had five strong words. And that grace cut his head off. And when you got the head, you disarm the whole body. This is why you must know whose you are. Because when you belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your head can't be cut off. He, com he, he commands, Paul was to uh, the Thessalonians church, but this is to all of us believers, for believers to be busy loving one another and showing compassion one for the other. In times of suffering, God's people are to seek to care for others who are suffering, no matter what the sufferings are. Because we, what we are very diligent at doing is coming up with, with food and doing stuff and projects and stuff, you know, to help people when they're down and out. But one of the things that's, that's really, really important, yes, you to do and give, but one of the other things you got to include with this is to pray for these people and to minister to them about deliverance Amen. and freedom. Because while you feeding them, you could be a crutch. While you're always giving, you could be a crutch. When you're going to teach them how to fish. And then when you minister to them to help build them up, because a lot of people are down because their self-esteem is in the gutter. Yes. And so when you begin to minister them, to them and help build them up so that they are courageous, they come to know Jesus is their Lord and Savior, and then equip them with the skills and the talents they need in order to accomplish and to get. But don't keep crippling them, always spoon-feeding them. The end. Okay, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Um, bef bef before I get to the questions and answers, I am going to do, uh, do this benediction while the word is still fresh <laughs> in your spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to his name. We talked about the whole armor of God, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have nothing to put on. And you didn't even understand what I had to say about the whole armor of God because... You have to be born of the Spirit to understand that. And though it talked about the different parts that you put on your body, it's the Word of God that you put on. But if you didn't understand and you don't know and you desire to know, you have an opportunity 
to come into that knowledge. And it's a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and all what he has done for you in order for you to be saved and to overcome the cares of this world. The sufferings that you have suffered, it will strengthen you because he says that we're always going to have afflictions, but it's how we're able to handle them and maneuver and come out of them is is the key not to walk in this world without any because if there were no afflictions there would be no need for faith you wouldn't have to have faith if everything's going to be rosy and perfect and all good all the time ah glory but god will make you a warrior instead of a fighter hallelujah jesus and that means that you can go into the areas that wants to penetrate you and you can demand and command them to stop in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. For I belong to a Savior who shed his blood for me and that blood is covering me from the crown of my head to the bottom of my feet and nothing you can do can harm me or touch me for I am in the hands of my Savior and my Lord. And because I've made up my mind that I will stay there and I understand my position and place there. You have no power over me. You have no authority over me in the name of Jesus. In order for you to do that, you need to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now. So just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I come to you with my sins. I come to you with my body. I come to you with my mind and with my spirit and I place it at your altar. Take it. Have your way with it. I choose to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I will not live according to this world any longer save me by the blood of Jesus I thank you father for the gift of salvation for I am saved filled with your spirit and ready to stand in Jesus name amen